Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Sledberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And today our guest is Brad Hewitt. And during the next hour, we are going to be talking about your new money mindset, which is the name of his new book, along with his co-author, James Moline. And during this hour, you are going to discover the definition of a money relationship and what a healthy one looks like, as well as why the money mindset has everything to do with your heart and not only your mind. The five basic money mindsets, Key questions to ask yourself regarding your subconscious money mindset, how to overcome a negative money mindset, how to cultivate an attitude of contentment in relationship to money, what the Bible says about financial abundance versus lack, and how to live generously even when the funds aren't freeing freely flowing towards you right at that time. Our guest today, Brad Hewitt, is president and CEO of Thrivent Financial, a not-for-profit Fortune 500 organization dedicated to helping Christians be wise with money and live generously. He speaks regularly on a find relationship with money and can help us find and live our calling in life in relationship to money. You can learn more about him over at newmoneymindset.com. Welcome to you, Brad. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Well, and it's great to have you here, and I'm excited to talk about this. I, a few years ago, probably several years ago now, I did uh, what I – it's over at godlywealth.com, and we did a little expo, and we had in two pastors and then a very wealthy uh, 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 nuclear physicist. And they all talked about the money mindset and the scriptural basis on how God really thinks about money. And I remember that that was really important to me to really get a different perspective about money than the one that I had going into that. And I'm excited to kind of add this to the, add this to the information bank today, because like you said, um, we're going to talk about it at some point during the hour here. It's not just about your head. It's about your heart as well. And we need to understand what God says about it. So thank you for being here. So first of all, you are a money guy. <laughs> so tell us about that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've worked kind of in the financial services and different different areas most of my life, although I did take a, a break and I was a church administrator for, for five years and I uh, loved doing that. So I, I've worked both in the financial services world and in the church. And um, and what I, what I see about money and money relationships, like you said, it's, it, it's so much of it, we think of it as, as like habits and, and mechanics and knowledge and what we find out is it's really about the heart. It's interesting because you wrote this book, Your New Money Mindset. Your co-author is actually a psychologist. So did you kind of just accidentally have that happen or was that intentional? <laughs> no, actually, that was that was actually very intentional. You know, I'm kind of the math and money guy and, and Jim is the relationships <laughs> person. And what we recognized is, is that in kind of the, the, the kind of behavioral economics, so much of it is relational and not just about mm-hmm like the the money mechanics and so but we but it is about that too and so what we thought is it would be great to have the two of us actually work on how do you think about a relationship with money it's kind of an odd concept if you think about it people don't think of having a relationship with money right right so talk to us about really what that means what is a money money relationship well, our money relationship is our everyday attitudes, actions towards money, you know, how we think about it, how we feel about it. Again, feeling about it is really important. How we use it or misuse it, like, you know, like any relationship, it can be good or bad, uh, healthy or unhealthy. Um, and, and so part of what we're trying to do is help people actually start talking about their relationship, thinking about the dynamics around money. You know, even when you just say the word money, you know, does it have a positive or negative connotation? Uh, and, and what does that, what does that do to your insides? And, uh, and so you can, you can think of it in those, those kinds of terms rather than as, as budgeting and tithing and other things that we often hear. 
It's interesting because even though, I mean, I've, I've been looking at this for weeks coming up on this and hearing you say that right now, the relationship kind of just changed my perspective just a little bit more even right then, because it's almost like you're saying, instead of looking at it as a digit on a piece of paper, look at it as though it's something uh, almost real, like a tangible person and it's not a person so how how can you have a really a relationship with something that isn't a person yeah it, well you know what's what's most interesting is of course we have these these deep emotional you know feelings and fears and 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 opportunities or with money and uh what's what's really interesting about this is is that um the, that all all the research as, as Jim and I were doing this book and studying it, and we, we've worked with millions of people across the country at Thrivent, and, and what we found is, is that, first of all, if you actually understand that money is simply a, a, what I like to describe it as a, a way to store up service or love to be used as God intends, that's, that's what money uh-huh. is. You you all of a sudden understand that money is to be used in service or love, and love is a is a relational thing. So who who am I using my money to serve or love? Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's others. Um, and to think about it in that way. And what's again most fascinating about the relationship piece is unlike a person, in some ways, what you need to do is have a very detached relationship with money <laughs> if you want it to uh, be healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. So what, what does it look like healthy? What, what would, how would you define a healthy relationship with money? So a a healthy relationship with money is, is where you actually see money as simply a tool. It's, it's, it it doesn't have great emotional baggage or emotional uh, leverage in your life. Um, And what we find is, is that people have a healthy, when people do have a healthy relationship with money, we really find that they have four things that, that kind of come through uh, as part of that healthy relationship with money. They're content. So contentment is kind of a signal of a healthy relationship with money. Um, that that they are part of a community, that, that being, you know, having a, a healthy relationship with money, they invest in a community. That might be a family or a church or the where they live. Uh, that they actually find a way to live out their calling and that, that money isn't the driver of the, the, their avocation or vocation oftentimes. Uh, it's, it's simply a result of that. And the last thing is, is that they tend to have confidence, that they're not relying on money to actually give them security, but they actually have confidence um, in God and, and in the others uh, around them that will help them in time of need. Hmm. That is so cool. So contentment. Um, when you talk about the second one, there was investing in a community like family or church. What is that opposed to? What does the opposite of that look like? So, so what we find is, is that there's all these half truths about money that are just fascinating. And and so I'll, as soon as I say it, you'll go, oh, of course, that makes perfect sense. It's the goal to be financially independent. <laughs> Everybody thinks that's the goal, right? To be financially independent versus financially invested in a community. Yeah. And, and, it, and those are really different things, right? And uh, yeah. and so, and and it's not that financial independence is is a bad goal. It's just not the ultimate goal. Right. And uh, and so it's kind of this half truth about boy, if I could just be financially independent, everything would be fine. Well, there's no mm. such thing. Mm. Yeah. In fact, I got to the point where uh, when I used to kind of be bothered by how much something would cost, uh, like, okay, I needed to do this, but I, I just, it bothered me that it cost that much. And I became, I became aware of all the people that were receiving fractions of the dollars that I was paying for whatever it was, whether it was gas or healthcare or whatever. And, and I, I was tracking back in my head about all the different people who were being affected by my dollar or hundred dollars mm-hmm. or thousand dollars that went back. And it's really astounding when you think about that, like you say, you can't really ever be independent. Uh, we are interrelated with other people. And when we recognize that God is using our funds to fund many families, uh, you know, indirectly or directly, it does kind of change the picture of what we're doing. Absolutely. In fact, one of my favorite stories is the story of uh, a simple question that I heard from a friend. He said, how much does a loaf of bread cost? And the answer he gave was nothing. 
we, God provides the, the sunshine and the soil and the seed and the growth. What we have to pay for is somebody to plant it, somebody to harvest it, somebody to gather right. it, somebody to mill it, somebody, and he went through this whole whole list. And, right. and that's exactly what you're saying is, is if you think of it in that way, you know, God provides, and, and then we're paying for all the other things that go into whatever we have or consume or do. Um, but But even just investing in community is interesting because, Part of investing in community is actually building it. What's, what's fascinating is it actually builds security. So hmm. if you really want financial independence, the problem is, is then you're completely relying on yourself. If you invest in, in your family, in your community, in, in the people around you, when something bad happens to you, you have a whole bunch of people who are willing to help. And that's a that's a really different um, sense about money if you think of it in, in those kinds of really practical investment terms. Hmm. Interesting. So you say that, you know, the money mindset has everything to do with heart, not only mind. Uh, <laughs> where does it start in the heart? Well, you know, I, f- first of all, you know, I would just, just – say, you know, I, I really hate uh, to, to lift myself up as a positive example, because I think we all struggle with, you know, this every day. And so, you know, part of it, I, I always like to start is, you know, we get bombarded with consumeristic and materialistic messages constantly. We get embedded with 200 million, 200 billion dollars of advertising every year to make us feel inadequate, unsatisfied, <laughs> you know, right. et cetera. And, and so what Jim and I were really trying to do is just start with this really grace filled call to this, this healthy relationship with money. And so I think partly it starts, you know, in our hearts because we end up getting so many of those messages in society. And, and, and then, you know, secondly, as we live in a fallen world, I mean, it's, it's, you know, greed and, 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 and so forth are just so part of unfortunately living in a fallen world. So it isn't shocking that 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 this is a question that Jesus talks about with with relationship to the heart a lot because that that is where it starts and there's lots of reasons why. Um, some of the ones I just gave you. Yeah, I think um, you know the heart where. Where the heart, you know, where the treasure is, that's where the heart is, is what the the scripture that comes right to mind. Mm-hmm. And it just speak to that for just a moment. And well, and the, and the phrase right after that, you can't serve both God and money. And and again, if you think of if you think of money as just stored up service or stored up uh, love, it, it begins to it begins to be part of that dis- description of who am I trying to serve? Whose is it? I, I we just got a a survey of a bunch of pastors and how they talk about money. And I loved one of them. It's, 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 it's managing all the resources God gives us the way he'd want us to. And, and I think mm-hmm. of it in that, in that context is, is that that's the, it, you know, is, is money mastering you or are you mastering the money? And, and, and it's so easy to slip into the, into the money is where the treasure is. Um, and that's where your heart goes. And, uh, and so it, it is a, and, 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 and if it's, if it really is a heart issue, what, what's, what's fascinating about that is, is that we so oftentimes start with, with, uh, you know, the head issue around, well, if we just simply had better training or if there was financial literacy, or if people would, you know, know more about this, or if we just use logic, we would solve all the problems and, and, well, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Those aren't all bad things. The, the, the interesting is almost none of them are heart issues. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, it is uh, – we, we have a lot more to kind of unpack here. We're going to take a little break and come back and talk about the five basic money mindsets and some key questions to ask yourself regarding your subconscious money mindsets. We'll be right back. Okay, we want to take just a moment for our womenspeakers.com feature of the day. 
Today's speaker is Barbara Peters of Orlando, Florida. And you can learn more about her at womenspeakers.com, including you'll find her bio, uh, four of her favorite talks, as well as several recommendations from people who have heard her speak. There's also spaces there for her references, like her CDs and books and stuff. And if you are an event coordinator or a booker speaker, um, or speaker booker, sorry, I said that backwards, be sure to check out all the great speakers over at womenspeakers.com. There's now over 1,100 speakers over there available to you with no middleman, no waiting, no fees, completely for you to free for you to search anytime day or night at womenspeakers.com and don't forget to check out today's featured speaker barbara peters well welcome back to you we're talking about money mindsets today with our special guest brad hewitt co-author of a new book called your new money mindset to create a healthy relationship with money brad before the break we were talking about um the heart and a healthy money mindset. Let's talk about five basic money mindsets just to that we can compare like what healthy is compared to normal and what's what kind are available to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, what we as we start as we work with people and and as we are doing some of this research for the book, one of the one of the most interesting things is like most things we started to see patterns. And and what we saw were what what I would describe as five pretty pretty broad patterns of money mindsets and um, and we started to to find that people kind of fell into one of these these five money mindsets and and I'll just go through them real quickly one one is one is what we called survival or subsistence and th- this was I mean to, to be honest this is where you have no relationship with money because you literally have no money <laughs> and so mm-hmm. you're literally living from day to day and it's not I'm struggling day to day or living paycheck to paycheck but this is all of my money has to go to basically keep me alive and sheltered. And uh, and it's really not a very big percentage of the U.S. population simply because we do have, you know, a safety net and others. But, but there are people who are in that category who are just l- literally – struggling and and really the answer for that money mindset is to get more money. I mean it, it it is it is a an issue of of not having enough. Now again, that's probably only about 10% of the population or less uh, in the US. The second but the next one up, which is the big percentage of the population, um is what we called struggling. And mm-hmm. struggling is one where you actually are living paycheck to paycheck. Your relationship with money is really all about worry. Uh, you have all kinds of issues. And and once you've moved past surviving, what's fascinating is the next four money mindsets are not dependent on money. We find people struggling that make six-figure incomes, and we f- find people who are at the top of the money mindsets that are making, you know, $40,000 income. So it, it is not dependent on, on how much you have. The, these are really truly mindset issues. Hmm. So, it, so, so survival, struggling, stable is the next one. And stable is people who, who don't worry about it every single day like the strugglers do. Um, and the irony of stable is, is they're usually one bad thing away from happening to moving back into struggling. <laughs> so they have this, <laughs> this sense of feeling like they're, they're, they're stable, but, but you know, they, they still have some uh, work to do. The next is secure. And the last and what we would call a healthy money mindset is surplus. And what surplus doesn't mean you have a lot of money. Surplus means that you feel you feel abundant, and and I think that's it's this that Jesus says I'm I've come to give you life and, and and abundantly. It's they have this abundant attitude. They they have uh, gratitude and contentment and generosity are marks of that surplus mindset. And again, this is at almost all uh, income levels. So this is this is not I, if I just had more I would give more. This is I have a mindset that's very different than what the world. Um, would expect. Hmm. I love that. Uh, that takes me back again to the Godly Wealth Expo that we did, where you know one of our pastors was a pastor who spoke on. Um, he had written a couple books, and he speaks on giving and the abundance that God overflows toward us all the time. One of the pastors, then the, the nuclear physicist, he was making, you know, millions of dollars, you know, money, money everywhere. And then the other pastor that came on earns a dollar a year. And he, 
he has to trust God for all the rest of his income. But what was amazing is exactly what you're saying is that they had each, wherever they were at in their income, they had each come to a point where they recognized God's abundant provision for them. And it was, it was their mindset, their heart set that made the difference, not their income. Yeah, we actually did want to actually, we were thinking about calling this your new money heart set, but it wasn't a word because it really is a, it is really a heart set. (laughs) Well, and I mean, that kind of goes into what we're going to talk about next. And I do a lot of work. I do a lot of work, Brad, with people on their subconscious minds, because I always say, you know, the conscious mind is processing about 40 stimuli per second, the subconscious mind about 20 million stimuli per second. And if you aren't if you aren't aware of what's going on in that subconscious mind and it's actually feeding you a sense of, of struggle and a sense of grave danger and need all the time, you can be all fine on the surface and have plenty of money in the bank, but you won't feel like it. So let's, let's just address that subconscious thing because that's really bigger than the conscious mindset. Well, absolutely. And in fact, you know, one of the research, uh, pieces that we had in the book, which just just floored Jim and I when we first found this, was a Boston research study where the average that to 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 be in the study you had to have a minimum of ten million dollars and the average person had seventy eight million dollars um of assets and uh you know net worth and and their results were just like the results of just about every other group wow. and that they actually believed that they needed 25% more before they could be happy, before they could be generous, before they could, you know, really uh, live the way they wanted to. And, and it was just shocking to me that it was, you know, it was very clear from the research that that wasn't true, that there was no, nothing in their environment <laughs> right. that would tell them <laughs> that that right. was true. There, but their subconscious uh, and the and the, the bombardment of of comparison mm-hmm. and and seeing what was going on led them to this belief that they they had they had to have more in order to be happy they needed to have more in order to be secure um, et cetera et cetera and so the so the subconscious is a, is a driver and I think we we do actually that the, again your point is we actually have to work and actually start providing different stimuli to be able to be able to overcome what is is in the world and again 200 billion dollars a year of advertising to especially enhance the subconscious belief that we're not good enough we don't have enough we can't be content Let's talk about that uh, advertising for just a moment because, you know, you've kind of mentioned it casually a couple times here, but the entire purpose of an advertisement is to make you aware of a need that you may have so that you will feel the need more acutely so that you will need to go do something about it, right? Right. Yeah. That's right. And so, and, so, I and mean, what works best is fear. <laughs> greed <Yeah. laughs> you know all the things that we're talking about in the subconscious and so then you need to build part of the message in the book and part of what we're trying to do is actually help people uh start to work on practices that would fight against that so what are some questions that we could ask ourselves uh, like about the subconscious thought processes that are already going on that maybe we aren't even aware of so one of the things that we uh have and it's at uh, newmoneymindset.com is an assessment you can take. So one of the things I believe if you're really trying to deal with the subconscious is you have un- unconscious biases, unconscious ac- actions, et cetera, that you don't even know that you do. And so part of what we decided to do, and this is yeah, Jim, the the psychologist part of our, of the du- the duo, um, is is doing an assessment that actually helps you recognize some of those unconscious biases you have or unconscious actions. And so there's an assessment. It's completely free. We won't collect any information. You can go on and take it. It will give you the score right away as you, as you do it. And it helps you understand where you are relative to the average U.S. population. And what's fascinating, almost everybody that takes it find, finds out that they're not as good as they thought they were. Ah, uh, that's a little scary. <laughs> so I don't have a problem except that I kind of do, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it, what it will do, it will it will help you actually sort out where where you have some unconscious um, 
unconscious behaviors around wanting money to provide security or money to Mm. provide independence or money to provide happiness or money to provide success. And I think those are the four things where we look at the unconscious behaviors that we have is, you know, um, so we know that many people believe that if they had more money, they would feel more secure. And there's an unconscious bias towards that, partly because it's partly true, but it's not not a lot true, (laughs) not completely true. Um, And so the assessment then actually helps you actually start to deal with well, it, do am I? How am I doing relative to the average? What what would what would be good? And then looking at some of those questions on what what's, what are some practical ways then to deal with the issue of security and feeling secure um, as as a person where money wouldn't become the master and, and and that God would be the master. You just you just listed off four things there. Security was one of them. What were the other three? So the second, the second were independence. So this feeling like if I just, I'm so dependent on everybody else. If I just could add more money, I'd, I'd be financially independent, and that would be wonderful. Uh, the the third is is that if I had more money, I'd be more happy. There are tons of scientific evidence that basically says that's not true. It lasts. It, it's true for about ten minutes, <laughs> and then, you, and then right, if you borrowed right. money, it's actually worse off than you were before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that. And that money is connected to success. You know, in our culture, more money looks like you're more successful. And so this, this tying these kind of subconscious and, and, and kind of belief systems that more money means more success. And, and I think those are, those are the things that we find to be the things that drive a lot of our relationship with money is we want success, we want happiness, we want independence, we want security. And so then we act out with money as if the money will actually provide those things. That's an interesting phrase, we act out with money. <laughs> That's a great way to actually put it into the right context. I was I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, asking asking a, a simple question, what's motivating me to make this purchase or to to make this financial decision? Uh just where's what's the motivation? But uh, the picture of acting out with money is very um, vivid in my mind. I can see, <laughs> I can see that one. I'm kind of a visual I, person. So that yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you act out and you think this is going to do it. If I just do this, if I just buy this do. car, I'll be happy. And then yeah. you're not after a short period of time. Um, right. And, and that acting out is some mm-hmm. of, is some of what you actually have to work on to change those subconscious signals. Right. And uh, mm. it, you know, it, it is, it is really, it is really fun. Well, I heard uh, Tim Keller give a sermon one time, and he said that the um, it, that the as a I forgot he said you know thirty years as a pastor, no one's ever come to him and asked advice about um, about what they should do with this big inheritance that they just got. <laughs> he said, "Wow, the people come to him and ask for advice about they don't have enough money and how should I you know what should I do?" But o- almost no one comes to to and asks you know when 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 they have a lot. Um, and yet, in some ways, that's the most tricky time, right? Or praying before right. you, you actually make a big purchase or pausing and, and hmm. talking about what are the other alternatives, et cetera. Those are some of the practices that we try to outline in some of those just in the book of really simple things that you can actually do in order to start working against the bias. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's interesting. I, I would never have guessed that people didn't ask about that because that would be, like you said, that that's hugely important if you have a lot of money and don't know where to invest it. I mean, getting a getting a godly perspective on that would be huge. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with Brad Hewitt. He's one of the authors of a new book called Your New Money Mindset, and you can actually go take an assessment that he's made available for you free over there at newmoneymindset.com, newmoneymindset.com. We're going to take a break and come right back and talk about how to overcome a negative money mindset as well as how to cultivate an attitude of contentment in relationship to money. So we'll be right back. Uh, 
Okay, and what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about directories, and there are two amazing directories you need to check out. One we mentioned earlier was womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world. If you want to check out all of the speakers over there available to you, you can search by state, or you can search by topic or name or a lot of different things over there, so check that out. Also, women's events. Dot info. At this directory, which is the only directory of its kind in the world, you will find all the major women's events, Christian women's events that are coming to your area. So you'll be able to find what Beth Moore or, or um, uh, Liz Curtis are the big ones uh, with over 100 women involved. You can find all of those over at womensevents.info. And if you have an event to share, that's the place. All right. Well, today we are talking about our money mindsets and our guest is Brad Hewitt, co-author of YourNewMoneyMindset.com. Brad, let's go ahead and talk about how to overcome a negative money mindset. So we go over there, we take the assessment and we get a horrifying score. And now (laughs) we're like, help, Brad, help. (laughs) Yeah. The good good news is there's two really, really consistent ways to actually change your your money mindset and uh, we found this in the research we found this in working with folks and uh, and and in some ways this is one of those things where it's 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 really it's really straightforward and really hard <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> simple so, but not easy right <laughs> simple but 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 you know it, it it's um it, 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 but we know they work, and and we, and we've seen it over and over again. So if you think of uh, the way I like to think about it is is what we're really trying to do is move from scarcity to abundance in both mindset and in in actual circumstance, and mm-hmm. and that scarcity to abundance journey um, is 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 we think it's all about my if I just get my circumstance right, my mindset will follow. But it actually works just the opposite almost always that that if I get my mindset right, my circumstance follow. And and so how do you actually work on that money mindset and work work on on how do you move uh what what I, what we think of it on the journey towards abundance and and surplus is and again, abundance in mindset, not just in circumstance. And the two things that we know work are gratitude and generosity. Huh. And and in fact, gratitude is probably one of the most important uh, tools that we have in our toolbox in order to uh, move our mindset. Generosity actually helps build gratitude, and generosity actually, I think, is, has the power to start taking down some of those half-truths about security and independence and success, et cetera. So we can talk about each of those more in detail, but, but if, if you really just kind of step back and say, I need to start building both uh, gratitude and generosity practices in my life, I will start on a journey to a healthy relationship with money. Where does fear fit in here? Where, where, does, it show up, does it show up in both places, a lack a- of gratitude as well as a lack of generosity? Absolutely. In fact, in, in fact, it's almost always is when we, we get to talking about, you know, what does the Bible say about this? How many times is, you know, Jesus say, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't yeah. fear. don't." Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like right. it's like the constant theme about about fear and, 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 and fear is security. Right. I mean, it's it's feeling like if I just I, I don't have security instead of actually feeling confidence and freedom. And I think that that is actually one of those first ones where we'd start to say, if you actually start to be count your blessings and start feeling, seeing how much you're blessed, um, all of a sudden some of that fear starts to go down. And, and, and again, in, in abundance, it's so easy to get caught up in the fear. The, the really important thing is to actually start to see God's provision. Um, I, I love even I'm I'm doing some uh, speaking at some uh, citywide prayer breakfasts. I'm doing I'm going to talk about the Lord's prayer and just and just say, you know, in the middle is the the answer to having a healthy relationship with money. It, it you know, pr- thank God for daily provision, and and pray for eternal perspective that that generosity that God has that we would be able to do for others. And and I really do. That's why I said it sounds so simple. It's just really hard to put into practice to overcome the fear or or overcome this belief that more will make me happy, et cetera. 
Yeah, I do want to unpack these a little bit more, but before we do, I want to just talk about the importance of the attitude of contentment. You almost have to, before you can be gratitude, grateful, before you can be generous, you almost have to find yourself in a position where you're just okay and so it's like they all feed is it like a circle where they all go around and you got to have all of them to make it work (laughs) yeah well well one of the you know so one of the ironies of course is is i you know i have a confession i'm really stingy and it and it only in god's humor would they have somebody who's really stingy write a book on generosity (laughs) you know that's how how it usually works in your weakness you know his his bar is made known right so so uh and one of the one of the scriptures for both by the way, Jim's really stingy too. He would say that if he was on the <laughs> phone. But it's it's one of the things That's we had awesome. in common. And and one of the one of the proverbs that really helped both of us and motivated us to write the book was, hmm. the, you know, the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Hmm. And I think I think that has to do with contentment. That has to do with lots of things. And. <clears throat> So oftentimes what we think is, is if we can just get to this place, we'll be content. Whereas actually what you'd say is, is it, or if I just had this much more, then I'd be generous. Or if I had this much more, mm-hmm. and what it actually works out is just the opposite of that is if I'm just a little bit more grateful and I'm a little bit more generous, I will find that I become more content. And so mm-hmm. it's it actually works it's it's a little bit like the science around if I'm not happy, smile, and then right. pretty soon I, I'm actually happy because I've been smiling. Right. It doesn't work that sure. I, I'm <laughs> it doesn't work the other way. So I really do think this kind of this generosity of imitating God and and mm-hmm. seeing that how that changes your heart then actually changes your heart into in, into the things like contentment and love for community and and how God's made you to live your calling, et cetera. Mm, that's really cool. One of my favorite sermons I ever heard was, um, if you don't love something enough, invest more. And he was talking about how, like in a marriage or in something that you need, like a child or whatever, where you needed to love that person, but you just didn't feel it. All you need to do is just invest more. <laughs> Pretty soon, the feelings would come because now you know where your you know where your treasure is. There's where your heart is too. And so it, there's this. To, go ahead. It's funny how that works, isn't it? And it and is. I love I love that you're using the word investment because that is exactly the right thing. Is if you know our prescription here is generosity and gratitude are the prescription for a heart healthy relationship, a godly relationship with money. And and it's and it really is. It's it's finding a way to invest in gratitude and generosity is the way to actually move your mindset up, um, and move your actual circumstance up. It's it's it is. There's all kinds of of research that we have in the book, and, and that, that shows that people who are generous are actually. They're, they actually are more winsome. They actually take more risks because they have a little margin in their life, so they're more willing to actually do things, and that usually leads to more success. They're, 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 there's, in fact, they're wise. It, with, generosity leads to wisdom. There's tons of evidence that say people who are generous are better at investing, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a, so it's one of those really interesting God things where, uh, if we if we invest in generosity and gratitude, it pays for it pays itself in different ways. Hmm. I'm thinking of the faith component here because if you're short of money, it's very hard to be grateful for the money that you're that you've got because it feels short to you. And then it's very difficult to get yourself to be generous because again, you know you just barely have enough. How are you going to be generous? Uh, so the to really make this work, you really do have to have faith. Absolutely, faith is a big part of it. But I, I, I you know, you know, as I as you read the scriptures, you know, Jesus's hero about money and 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 money mindset was the widow who gave a penny, not <laughs> not not the people who were dumping all the coins in and making tons of noise. And and I think that is one of those things where I mean she gave out of faith, out of not out of her abundance, mm-hmm. but out of her scarcity, um, and 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 did it with a with a faith um, that that's different. And you know I contrast her 
with Solomon, if you think of, if you read the beginning mm-hmm. of Ecclesiastes, he, he says something like, you know, I amass silver and gold for myself, treasures of all kinds, you know, the delights of a man's heart. And then he, he goes on, if, if you read the rest of it, he, was, he never was able to find anything that wasn't hopeless. And what's fascinating, in all the list of the things he tried, not one of those things is being generous or grateful. Huh. Interesting. Huh. It was all about him and not about being generous or grateful. And I think that's such an interesting model. If you if you only invest in yourself and you only think about yourself, what you start to go down is this hopeless, everything's meaningless, why bother? Um, and, and if you actually are invest and imitate God and invest in others, all of a sudden it doesn't feel hopeless. It doesn't feel like worthless. Um, and I, I think that is that that really interesting part of contentment as we talk about contentment is is that contentment comes as we start to see that uh, we are blessed that we have um, that we can and again there are there are people who literally don't have enough and so we need to find ways to to help them have enough but for most of us you know the vast majority of people it's it's really a choice not a not not a circumstance so if you were right now faced with, let's say, uh, extreme circumstances, faced with bankruptcy and possibly, you know, losing everything you had, um, where would you find the way to be grateful there? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, that's, you know, this is the this is the hard part about about anything is once you get so far into a, a hole where, where money has become the master. It, it is a it is not an easy um, an easy place to start. One is is this just what you said before. There is a faith component to this, and the other part is what we talk about in the book is starting small. I mean, generosity and gratitude aren't just about money. I mean, we wrote the book about money because it's the easiest thing to show and talk about and think about when it comes to gratitude and generosity, but it's certainly not the only way to 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 um to to start to live out a, a a grateful and generous life and so you know part of what what both Jim and I have uh, have recommended in the book and have seen in others is is you, if you start small and you start with simple things about being being generous of self being generous with time uh being generous with your talents um that pretty soon those start to play out and and I think then the other the other advice in those circumstances is f- frankly finding wise counsel because if you're if you're in that circumstance the the reality of your if your actual circumstances are so dire it is just about impossible to have a he- healthy relationship with with money if you don't actually start working on some of the mechanics and and the habits that you have um and and frankly at those times there are wonderful social service and and other agencies that can help people in that and it's really hard to ask for help um Hmm. but you need to Hmm. interesting well this is marnie swedberg we're visiting today with brad hewitt co-author of the book your new money mindset and you can go over and learn more about it over at newmoneymindset.com we're going to come back and talk about what the bible actually says about financial abundance versus lack and we're going to talk a little bit about how people in uh third world countries uh survive without money and how they maybe can think about this in a different way and how we can learn a little bit from them we'll be right back And it's time for a peek ahead. Next week, we've got author training with one of our favorite authors, Cecil Murphy's coming back to give you insights from a best-selling million million copy author. Um, Cecil's written over 100 books, many of them bestsellers. You want to join us for that. And the week after that, for event planners, casting vision and time management. Then I'm off to Kenya, but while I'm gone, uh, you're going to have... Fun training, seven keys to starting a profitable business, as well as writer training with Peter Bowerman. And then we get back a Mother's Day special, how to be a worry-free mom. So spread the word and join us next week and afterwards for more training here at Marnie's Friends. Welcome back. This is Marnie Spedberg and our guest today, 
Brad Hewitt is the co-author of a book called Your New Money Mindset, Create a Healthy Relationship with Money. Mr. Brad, we're coming down on the end of the hour here, and I want to talk about uh, what the Bible really says about money. And there's a lot of controversy about this. Um, because a lot of people feel like they aren't ever supposed to have money. Money is the root of all evil. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that, but sometimes people think that. There's also people who say, you know, if you don't have an abundance of money, just like um, gobs of money, you're doing something wrong. Uh, so what do you find that the Bible says about money? Well, it, it, yeah, getting that quote right of that, that the love, again, a heart issue of money <laughs> is the root of all evil, you know, and that, that, that is a really important place to start is, is again, it's a heart issue. Um, and uh, so, first of all, you know, I think this is, this is one of those things where it's, it's, it's easy to fall into this, this notion of that money, again, money is equal to success or more makes you mm-hmm. happy or more, more gets you. And I think what Jesus and, and, and frankly, the entire Bible's teaching, if you look, look at it really from cover to cover, is, is, that, is that I think of it as, is in two ways, is that e- even at the beginning, God blessed Abraham to both be a blessing and, and to, to be blessed. And, and Abraham, in some ways, Abraham was a person who, if, if you think of that story, was partly a, a, a blessing to his neighbors, not, not because he was a great leader or conqueror, but because he was actually prosperous and helped the economy grow and helped, helped other things grow. So I really, I really think there's a, a component in here that, that is, is important to re- remember is, is that it's not just that once you become a Christian, you're called to a, a life of, of poverty. The, the only time Jesus asks a person to give up everything is the rich young ruler. And, and that's a really interesting story we probably don't have time to, to go into. But right after that, he tells, he tells somebody else, and they, get, they give away half, and he, he calls them blessed. And so, and, you know, the, 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 you know the heaven has really come to, the kingdom has come here today. And so I really do think it's, it's more of what's our heart and motivation and how we, how we relate to God. And I really do think it is that passage that we talked about earlier is, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't serve God in money. In, invest in, in heavenly treasure, not earthly treasure and I think sorting that out for people is is something that um, frankly that's what we feel called to do with what we do is helping people be wise with money and live generously and uh, and and it's different for everyone I think that's the key there is that it is different for everyone even when we look at Jesus himself when he lived on earth he really never had what we would call worldly wealth. I mean, he, he's sometimes had a rock for a pillow, uh, you know, so, so he definitely didn't model a behavior of making sure that he had a lot of money in his bank account. Uh, that, that just wasn't what he was about. And yet, and yet it's very clear that when God wanted to bless people, a lot of times he would bless people with finances. So, I mean, both of the sides are there. And the question is, you know, what did God create you to do? What are you supposed to be doing? And what I found exactly. interesting is that is that as people come into, maybe I'll call it the sweet spot, the sweet spot with God regarding money, they find that their needs are met, but that money is not what's meeting the needs there's you know possibly money meeting the needs but it isn't the money they're looking to they are looking to the god who gives them the money to meet their needs and to be generous absolutely 100 percent agree and one of the things that we just did in a recent survey this is fantastic news to some degree uh, that uh, about a quarter of Americans turn to their faith community for help with money, which is which is surprisingly high to me. But 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 even better than that, almost 40% of millennials now are looking to the church and to their faith communities to help them sort out what is the right relationship with money. And mm-hmm. and one of the things that the reason we're doing this is because we do think the Bible has a lot to say about money. I think you know Ron Blue, who wrote the the forward to the to the book, has kind of five uses of money and high principles around money and master your money that are really, really valuable. And I just hope that our churches and, and others are ready to actually help people with uh, how do you actually answer the question you just asked of what's, what's right for me? How do I get to that sweet spot? 
Well, and I, my my mind, of course, is very consumed right now. I'm leaving for Africa in a couple of weeks. My mind is very much thinking about as we're processing this as wealthy Americans, really. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to go into a situation where people have nothing. Uh, they have a roof, maybe, <laughs> but no running water or situations like that. And, you know, somehow, somehow they survive. Somehow uh, they seem to be happier than a lot of Americans. Mm-hmm. And when a person has no real money to speak of, uh, where, does the, where does the hope and contentment come from then? Well, that's that's the point. I mean, it, it, it's it's such an obvious thing. We we I do a lot of uh, habitat builds all over the world, and it's and every time we bring a team and and do and do that, one of the first things that Omni Service says is, these people have nothing and they're so happy, <laughs> and and and. And you see that all over the world, and the answer is is that's because money and and worldly abundance doesn't provide more happiness. Um, and part of the answer to that question is is that they actually are not putting their security in 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 money. They they almost always have to put their security in in God and community, and and their contentment not comes with having an abundance of of material wealth, but an abundance of of other things. Like family and and uh, and community that that they get joy from. So it's you know I really do think that that is one of those profound. We always said when we were taking our kids on mission trips and other things that one of the best things it did for them it didn't last long enough was it actually helped them um, actually understand that that their their circumstance in the U.S. were were blessed uh, beyond almost yeah. their wildest dreams. Yeah, I remember walking down a, a path in, in Peru with a pastor, and he said to me and the other guy that was with us at the time, he said, so how does this compare to where you live? And we both frantically looked around for one anything that could compare, and there was nothing. There was nothing that you could say, well, that's kind of similar to this. You know, I mean, uh, we were walking on the earth. Other than that, that was it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was so radically different so radically different and you know it should be kind of a clue to us when they can be so happy without money that something's wrong when we're not yeah and uh, although you know even if you look at, at the sermon on the mount where jesus talks a lot about money he was talking to people who who probably were more like the per- people in peru than mm-hmm. americans and he was still saying beware of all forms of greed be be careful uh don't don't put your trust in those those things so yeah. i mean i think that's the that's the other commonality of this um you know in the in in the forward ron talks about that you know being in africa and being i think in kenya you know that that you know the biggest issue that they had was was consumerism that if you had a if you had a house with a dirt floor you wanted one with a wood floor if you had a house with a thatch roof you wanted one with a metal roof you know that <laughs> that, that that that's you know that is one of those those things that is common kind of across the world too though it's interesting isn't it and i i know that i've said this before on the show but i i still find it i still find it fascinating the process of how god frees our I don't know, our tight hold on money. But I remember the day when I became convicted that I was spending more money praying about our need for money than I was praying for souls. And that was the day that was like, oh, my goodness, something is wrong with this picture. When all my prayers are about money, that doesn't make any sense. Money's just going to burn. Souls, souls will live forever. Uh, that's where my focus needs to be when I'm praying and when I'm living. And when that gets, and I, I really think that our enemy in this unseen world, in the spiritual world, I mean, he would really like us to always be just thinking about money. Right. And and that's why generosity is, is if you can learn to give away and do it joyfully, give mm-hmm. away, it starts to break that power. I mean, that's, that is the point is is that the reason generosity works is it's a, it's a, a a practical really practical way to be able to break that power of feeling like that that's going to give me happiness or success or whatever and and the more you do it the more you find that you can you can do more and the more you do more the more you feel grateful and joyful about it because you see how how that generosity is blessing others 
What do you say to the person who really feels like, uh, you know, maybe they didn't take your assessment, maybe they should, but it's the person who really feels like they have really given this area of their life to God that they don't have a lot of negative baggage with it, but they really don't. I mean, they really don't have hardly anything. Um, and they're just going along. Is that okay? You know, Again, you know, I, I think that's the that's the circumstance for. I mean, I think this. Your I liked your your point is a sweet spot for everybody's going to be different. And I think, you know, that that I think it really is is if if you're if you're um, uh, if you're in a in a circumstance where where you really can't give because you're you're in a in a in a particular circumstance. Well, for, I, I don't think we should feel necessarily bad about that. Although I would I would challenge us that I've been to Kenya and other places where it's amazing to me they take multiple offerings at churches and and what seems like nothing they have they have something to give almost every place I've been people have right. something to give right. so right. I would just challenge everybody to say it's easy to believe you don't have enough to give and yet that's where the faith component comes in and you can actually see that. With, and, I, and again, it doesn't always have to be money. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes it's your talent. Yeah. Um, I remember my husband saying when he was in college, he was he was waiting until he got a job until he would give. But he would have money come in, and then at, at one point he realized, no, if I don't give now, I never will. And I loved I loved how that realization just kind of hit him that it wasn't about how much money he had. It was about the principle of what you do with the money that you do get is that you share it. And that's actually one of the things that we try to, one of the things that we know isn't working in this, in this field in general is not talking about it. And I think that's part of what we're trying to do is we, the way we designed the book is to create a, a small group dialogue. You know, it used to be that, you know, in polite dinner conversation, you couldn't talk about politics or religion or sex or money. Now it just seems like it's just money. And, and um, mm. you know, it, it, all those other things seem to be fine. People seem to be very willing to talk about them. But, but it's shocking to me on how many times we, we talk to kids and families and, and the topic of money never comes up how to mm. how to be generous how to manage it how to live in in not in bondage to it and um I, so i would just say one of the things we need to do is just start talking about it a lot more wow that's awesome that's awesome brad this hour has flown by and so much great information here thank you for being here if people go over to new money mindset i know that there's an assessment there is there anything else that they'll find at that website yeah, actually, you can get a little a little preview of what the book's like. There's there's a small group study guide so that you know, if you want to do it as a small group study, I've done it. We our church and others have done it as small group, and everybody's a little apprehensive to start talking about it <laughs> first. And then once they get into it, we almost you can't stop talking about because it, it really isn't about mm. the the habits or money mechanics or your how much you have in the bank or anything like that. It really is some of the heart questions. And once people start talking about it, they love it. So small group uh, study guide, there's uh, some, some uh, resources for pastors to, to, uh, if they wanted to do a sermon series on the topic. So all, all kinds of resources there, all free, all, all uh, hopefully for people to use uh, however they like. Awesome. And then also you are the CEO of a company called Thrivent Financial. And um, just in like one minute, describe what Thrivent does for people. So Thrivent is a is a membership organization of Christians who is designed to actually um, our mission is to to help people be wise with money and it, that, that's not being smart with money that's being wise godly wise with money and to live mm-hmm. generously and uh, and we we do that in in a whole bunch of ways we're about a hundred and hundred and fifteen years old and uh, and we're a, a unique tax-exempt, not-for-profit organization. Um, we are Fortune 500 because we're big, but we we really are a group of Christians coming together su- to support each other to build a new money mindset, uh, which is a godly relationship with money. Hmm. Is it a, an investment or group? 
So we, we started off, I would describe it as we were the original sharing economy 100 years ago, so, but we were the sharing okay. economy for, for bad stuff. So it started off being the, the Widows <laughs> and Orphans Fund and you know the, the needy okay. family fund at church. And so now we have insurance and banking and investments and all the other kinds of things you need to be uh, student loans and all the things you'd want to have uh, for a healthy relationship with money. But, you know, we kind of started with with uh, much more of the things. The founding Bible verse was the Galatians verse of uh, bear one another's burdens and mm-hmm. fulfill the law of Christ. Cool. Well, you guys can check that out over at Thrivent.com, and that's T-H-R-I-V-E-N-T.com. Thank you so much, Brad, for being here. I have loved sharing with you this hour. It has been my pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, and thanks to all of you for being here. Can't have a show without listeners. Always so grateful to those of you who join us live at Blog Talk Radio. And for those of you who listen around the net afterwards or on your own stations, uh, thanks for hosting us, and thanks for having us, and we'll see you next time on Marnie's Friends. Bye-bye.